This episode of the Mother Loving Future Show is brought to you by Amber Lestrange and Jenna Penrose with JMO 5000 Productions. Hi, everyone. How you doing? Hi, Maja. I'm doing good because Maja's here. <sighs> Hi, Jenna. Sorry. I know. No, yeah, I'm doing good too. You cannot do good when the sun is in the room. It, it's like, it, she just activates so many things in me. Hi, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, guys. She's been practicing that for a while. Really My felt thing. that. She's ready for that. <laughs> Hi, everyone. We are so happy to have you with us. I hope you're having the best day ever. Newsflash, it's about to get better. Uh, I really hope you're following us on Instagram because it's a great way to keep up to date with incredible guests and podcasts and blog things and articles other and stuff other random yeah. stuff that's going on. So keep um, an eye out for us on Instagram or simply just follow us and we're trying to build an amazing community so come on in everyone's welcome so today's topic is analyzing analyzing the importance of archetypes with Marsha I'm fascinated on this topic I'm really green on this I cannot wait to get into it before I do sit down because I'm about to give you Marsha's bio are you ready for her intro Seriously, it's I mind-blowing. Mind-blowing every time. So Maja is a practicing witch, the good type, don't worry. She's an artist, a scholar of alchemy and occult lore whose interest in the esoteric sciences span her entire lifetime. After completing her bachelor's degree in biochemistry, Maja studied oriental medicine and acupuncture while training in martial arts and later earned her master's degree in transformational psychology with a focus on shamanism, the I Ching, which we're obsessed with, got to listen to that podcast, and ancestors in her thesis work. So cool. (laughs) Maja is the author of Witch Watches, Familiar Spirits, Guardian Doubles and the Supernatural Powers. Through Inner Traditions, a witch's... Bestiary. Bestiary. Jenna's got me. (laughs) Visions of Supernatural Creatures and the Secret Source. Not source is in the source you have on your salad. (laughs) Saucy. But source (laughs) is in source energy and sorceress maybe. Correct. A little bit Mm. of both. Never thought of that connection. It's the same thing. So... She also, which we are obsessed with personally, has created a tarot deck called the White Witch Tarot. Gotta get it. Maja lectures occasionally on mysterious topics in Los Angeles. (laughs) I would really recommend figuring out where they are and attending them. And she educates the public community through her nonprofit, The Well Wishes, which she established, which, which, which? Which witch? How good is that? Which witch? <laughs> she established with Dr. Kelvin DeWolf. Yes. Woohoo! And there's a lot more, I'm sure, because yeah. Maja is not just Maja. She's many lifetimes accumulated in this one incredible like a vehicle. Train. Yeah, so, it's like, it's just mind-blowing. Like her, her vessel and then all these... Do you know about your past lives? Of course you do. She was a Delphic Oracle. She's been a priestess really a lot a of times. Really a big one that came through was the, the Oracle stuff, which I totally just can do. And I like to do live performances of it. It's very satisfying. Is that just channeling totally information? just channeling data and it comes in and I don't even know what's happening. And then Chinese stuff is mm. really, I'm like the mm-hmm. whitest person ever, but Chinese <laughs> culture, I in, I just have like a deep connection mm. to it. So there's Oriental medicine and I Ching and, I Ching and Something also martial about arts. the mm. Taoist philosophy too, I just like was like, mm. like I 
got it. And more than any, everyone else was like, what are you talking about? And I had no, like, there was nothing that could have made me interested in that. You know mm. what I mean? But I had a deep connection to that. Some so weird. Interesting. And then some like, um, clairvoyants would see me and they'd be like, oh my God, you have like an old Chinese man. <laughs> You're Stroking like his long out, one strand of like beard next like, to you, you're like yeah, that makes your sense. Sensei. Some wow. kind of weird old dude, like, is just on that part of <laughs> me, which maybe was something. I, but it's true. Like that is something that you're, you've carried through to this lifetime. Clearly, totally. So interesting. I have no connection to China. It's so interesting. It's Most like this don't. void in my understanding. Like I can't even feel into China. Or like when I think about like the Chinese countryside, I don't even know what to picture. Like I can't picture it's it. It's so huge and vast. Yeah. The expanse of China through history is epic. Yeah. yeah. She Truly would know epic. all about it. She would know all Most about it. Most of our stuff in Western society is based on something Chinese. The majority, I would probably say. Everyone is like, what is she talking about? We'll pick something and look it up and see if Chinese people Bacon. figure it out first. Yeah. <laughs> Bacon? I don't know why that came to mind. Yeah. <laughs> From a vegan. I love yeah. that. Okay. So definitely many past lives as an oracle. Got yes. it. Uh, we should do a little podcast of you just channeling. We could do a I live like to do it. Facebook thing where well, people send in we did, photos. No, we did the divination with Marsha, but we could with an do intercessor. Her. But sometimes I just do it, just me. Raw. Yeah, not with divination. <gasps> it's kind of raw, it's like channeling like, raw info from source. Spicy sauce energy. It gets spicy. I'm going <laughs> to tell you but right you, now. You, the way you express it, it's so cute and funny. It's she like, humanizes it. Yeah, but she makes it like cute and funny, even though it's like the grandest, most intense thing you've ever heard. Uh, she just throws it out there like it's, you know, Sunday breakfast. Plop. Yep. Yeah. Plop. <laughs> okay, so that's Marja. Mind's blown already. So, Jenna, do you want to give us the definition of analyzing the importance of archetypes? Yeah, so this is my stab at a definition of the importance of, or sorry, analyzing the importance of archetypes. Archetypes are energy imprints, signs and symbols, which make up our collective understanding and psychological programming. Archetypes uh, are the... Sorry, archetypes form the blueprint of our interpersonal relationships, our views of ourselves, our roles in the world, and all the events of human affairs. These energetic imprints also form the backbone of divination methods, such as tarot, I Ching, or astrology, which all involve interpreting archetypes in positions. Archetypes can help us better understand ourselves and the world around us and the pathway towards enlightenment. Who would have known? Very well put. That's you brilliant. You think so? Oh, yeah, that was I got brilliant. Of affirmation and <laughs> approval. <laughs> that was brilliant. So how long has archetypes, have archetypes been around for? Where did they appear from? Well, one of the things that I mentioned in my Witch's Bestiary that will be coming out is that these things are pre-human. They're there whether we have knowledge of them or not. There's some people who have theorized that they're products of the human consciousness, like um, Carl Jung, Jung had yeah. some ideas that these are produced through an anthropomorphized version. But what you see is that they're reflected also in nature, in non-human forms or through animals, the way that animals interact with each other. So when I became aware of a lot of nature patterns that also followed the archetypal stories, I was like, OMG, this is beyond human and is something that is phenomenological. 
Is that mm, a word? I love that it is now. <laughs> Boom. I Copyright. <laughs> but it's literally like there's natural expressions of these, like the planets, for example, are, you know, expressions of the archetypes that we as humans can interpret and feel. And we can interpret and feel the archetypes in many different ways, in many different languages, in many different perspectives, but they're always the same. For example, any culture that will describe Jupiter will use the same kind of identifiers, lightning, right? Thunder. They'll have these correspondences that show up through all of the interpretations as part of their signature or energetic identity, right? So the weird And you're thing, saying in cultures that are completely disconnected. Completely disconnected. Mm-hmm. The identifiers are the same. Mm-hmm. Even though the names will be different, although in a lot of them, the names will be similar. Like mm-hmm. it'll have the same letters or the same sounds in the name. Even though, like if you take, for example, the goddess Isis, right? Which will have the same identifying factors, sometimes even colors, like her color is blue. And you'll see Mother Mary always like covered in blue. So there'll be like these specific characteristics. Iconographic characteristics. Which are iconographic that um, transcend culture, but that many of these humans get in terms of their interpretation of the vibe of that archetype. So you can recognize them as like if you recognized a cat. Mm. You see it and you're like, that's a cat. Mm -hmm. So there's a psychological association with the color blue or the... You know the lightning or whatever it's it is. It's like real. We can translate yes. how the archetype palpable. Yes, it's got like it. an energy imprint. Would mm-hmm. you say? Yeah, exactly. And you're saying they're beyond human, like the, the I original. Would say so. Yes. Do you think that they're a function of the third dimensional, like universe? Maybe. Or they go beyond. They sure they go beyond that. So here's like the thing: when I started doing the work with Dr. Kelvin DeWolf and experiencing it, I was like, "Whoa, this is trans-dimensional," but it has these weird limits and boundaries. So <clears throat> I'll just start. Explaining some of the yes, tell downloads us. I got about it. <laughs> so please bring do. it in, girl. Please do. I mean, my first experiences of archetypes was through the divination. That mm-hmm. was where I first became intimate with them. And then at first I got my tarot deck from my mom when I was like 16 years old. Your mom is so cool. I know. She was a Scorpio. So, you know, you can't really <laughs> not be psychic when you're a Scorpio. But so I started familiarizing at a young age and then I started getting into astrology. And I would look at like the tarot cards and astrology and I was like wait these are the same themes and that for me personally I started when I started using multiple divination systems I saw like a perspective and I was like wait because I thought they were like different but then I'm like oh it's all the same does I Ching also have archetypes I Ching also has archetypes that's not quite the same as the tarot archetypes but the archetypes are the same they are they're they're the same the same how many archetypes are there there's 64 in the I Ching. So uh-huh. there'll be varying numbers, okay? Uh-huh. And mathematical systems in the archetypes as well. A lot of archetypal systems will be based, based on math. So there'll be mathematical systems and numbers that a lot of cultures use to describe archetypes oh. over and over, including like the tarot, right? But they'll break it down into different numbers. And also you can see this predominantly in Kabbalah. For example, a lot of the Kabbalistic archetypes of the tree 
right, of knowledge or, you know, the Kabbalistic tree of life will be broken down mathematically of those archetypes. And you can see how those correspond to the tarot archetypes. So, so is that now numerology you're talking about? So math they can also express through. So if you if you take like the, you know, the major arcana archetypes, for example, they're all numbered in the tarot. Mm-hmm. So if you if you were to compare that with the Yi Ching numbered um, hexagrams, there would be a correspondence. There's a lot of debate about that. And a lot of people have different correspondence systems. Mm-hmm. So if you look at a lot of magicians have published these, uh, what they call correspondence books, and there's a lot of them. And it's annoying because a lot of individuals will have different systems. And I'm like, there should just be one. Why is there so many different ones? But it's because of different people's interpretations, mm-hmm. right? So you'll get some variation on that, which is a little annoying if you're trying to track things and make things identify as the same thing, right? So like, for example, in Kabbalah, Sophia would be an example of Isis, yep. right? And mm-hmm. then you can correspond those. A lot of the mathematical expressions will use the numbers. And it's interesting because every number is also can be physical. It'll have a shape. It'll have a color. And it'll have a sound because it translates to a frequency. Mm-hmm. A number is a frequency. So that's also energy. So you can have, it gets, right? It no, gets, I'm so into it. Keep going. If We're in the rabbit hole, guys. <laughs> like a number three that could be expressing a shape of a triangle. It could or a translate to an even, uh, it can also translate to an element in chemistry. So it can have an expression of a form. And so this, when I started learning about science, I had this intense breakthrough because I was doing the divination and learning about chemistry and the way that chemical signatures work. And I was literally, they must've thought I was a total bonkers person. And yet you were the most brilliant person in the class, clearly. (laughs) They did not get it. But I was using this machine called a spectrophotometer. And these machines, you can take, like if someone left some clear liquid in a beaker and you didn't know what it was, which would happen a lot in the organic chemistry lab. Like, is it water? Is it ether? (laughs) I don't know, I have a All these (laughs) dum-dums, right? Like hippies just making chemicals. And you're like, wait, what was that? (laughs) So (laughs) they would take a little bit of it and pass it through the spectrophotometer. And each element shows itself with a different color of light. Wow. And that corresponds to its atomic number. Wow. So all the colors. Also, when you burn them, too. You could burn it. That's in another crazy machine that uses like argon gas. I can't remember the name of that machine they kept in the basement, and it was totally psycho because you could burn off each element, but it was at some crazy heat signature that was like maybe not even possible, but worked anyway. (laughs) But. Right? It was some machine from the 70s, too. It looked all like a 60s space movie. But you would put it in Tomorrowland. And I could see it. It was like that. And I could see it happen. And that was where I put it together, where math isn't just an abstract number, but it also can dictate the form that something's going to take. So an archetypal signature can be literally, what form is that going to be based on the number or color or thing that it is? So for example... If I'm embodying an archetype 
of say, you know, Changol, which is from the Santeria or Yoruba tradition of their archetypal family, I'm going to be exhibiting Changol's traits. What are Changol's traits? So he's like the lightning thunder guy, right? Oh, That's so like he's the Zeus Jupiter, right? So I think, unless I'm mistaken, it's been a little while. I'm not up on. I don't know, uh, Sandra. Don't worry, no one will know whether it's right <laughs> or wrong. I'm just like, please okay. correct me if I'm incorrect. But the point being. Each one of those has this like form affiliated with it. So similarly, everything in nature is actually using an archetypal signature that is dictating, is this carbon? Is this oxygen? You could literally archetypally um, state what each element is based on its frequency signature if you're going to really get crazy, which is where a lot of people use the sacred geometry, okay? Because it's dictating a form and that is expressing what it is on a larger level. Wow. Does that make sense or was it totally crazy? Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. Kind of. Yeah. Well, so let's take, for example, a lot of the sacred geometry stuff will use the uh, platonic solids, Okay, mm -hmm. so have you guys seen those where there'll be like a tetrahedron and then like a dodecahedron and they'll sell them all like in a little box mm -hmm. and then they'll have like, um, you know, a pyramid or a cube. Mm -hmm. And each one has like a different number of sides, basically. Different number of sides. So yeah. you have these basic geometrical forms. So Three-dimensional forms. Three-dimensional forms. Mm -hmm. But there was something that decided what that three-dimensional form would be. And they're the architects of the universe? The architects and the archetypes are those platonic... Architect archetypes? Solids that you can translate to atomic structures. Okay, like, for example, crystals. Everybody loves crystals, right? Everybody loves yes. crystals. I know what crystals are. Right? No one can understand what the Do heck you guys, guys want to know about. what a crystal is? <laughs> yes, The thing please. that makes a crystal what it is is because of that platonic solid archetype that it's carrying. So a diamond is so a diamond because its atoms are linked together in this specific shape. Mm -hmm. And, and that's say, its archetype. And you would say that shape would correspond to... Correct. So, so on a molecular structure, that's right. archetypes a are imprinted. That's and right. from that birth of a, a molecule, it expands out. And in, dictates the form. And dictates the form. But is it of that one original archetype? Or does it morph as it's, as it's evolving? Well, well, a diamond's a right? diamond. But it can carbon can take different forms other than a diamond. Absolutely. Right? Uh -huh. So carbon will also be like lead in a pencil. Yeah, definitely. And the thing that dictates the form of the carbon is the tertiary structure of the, the molecule bonds. choosing an archetypal signature. So it's how the molecules arrange themselves in the density, and that's determined by sometimes outside things, right? But like then heat there's and pressure pressure, heat, but then there's also an innate structure of the carbon itself. So the answer to your question is yes, both. And the carbon can't organize itself in every single type of way. It only organizes itself in well, This is in where we get ways. into alchemy. Because mm -hmm. the alchemists believe you could take any molecular structure and turn it into any, any other. other molecular Ooh, structure because there's one archetype that's everything. What's the one so archetype that's So you have so in everything. alchemy you have to take oh, it back to prima the materia. Prima materia, which is comes that up in, in the, the I Ching. <laughs> so wait, so in al the concept of alchemy, you would so if you wanted to turn lead into diamond, or I'm sorry, uh, just yeah, 
Sure. Okay. Then you would have to take the lead back to the prima materia state and then from the prima materia state, take it into diamond. That's right. And a lot of scientists, of course, say that alchemy is malarkey, but you can do alchemy and alchemy happens every day on the sun, for example. A lot of alchemists say science is malarkey. (laughs) That's true. So transmutation is what causes that change of form from one shape to another. And on the sun every day, helium and hydrogen change shape and form all the time. Nuclear fusion. You can change lead into gold in a particle accelerator. If you have can you lead, actually you actually have can. they done that? It's not cost effective because it costs more than the amount of gold that it produces. But have they actually? You actually they actually have, have done it. You can even do it in a handheld particle accelerator. What's a handheld particle oh, accelerator. <laughs> creepy, creepy business. So you, they actually one of the first particle accelerators you could hold in your hand. How would you get that much energy into such a small amount that you mm. could Ask Nikola Tesla. Uh I wish we could interview Nikola Tesla for our podcast. Maybe I can channel him. Um, But no, (laughs) no possessions. Nikola, is that you? So uh, the idea being that these ideas of archetypes are actually way more intense, and I saw them to be true in the way that nature expresses forms of organisms, of elements, Mm -hmm. of like plants, like what makes the structure of the thing. Mm -hmm. Like why does it have three leaves in this this pattern? What decided that? So Mm -hmm. at the fundamental level of life, archetypes exist and can dictate how they're expressed. Correct. Currently with the huge CERN particle Mm -hmm. accelerator, you guys know this one with all the crazy like that they're afraid it's going to cause a rift in time and totally, space. Oh yeah. my gosh, what? No, tell in me about this. Oh it's like a time traveling machine. It's an it's a particle accelerator, the largest underground, one. and it has so it has so much energy that it can ma- drum up that it could explode and ruin. Explode what? Earth? Yeah, right. They don't they, know. That's what they say. They so don't. Wait a know. second. In or, Switzerland, they've made a particle accelerator machine. Yeah. Yes. Why? And there's a Kali dancing in front of it, isn't there? <laughs> isn't there a statue of Kali like at the, when you go to miles long or a something? Tube. The tube underground that, to generate enough acceleration so that the impact of the particles and the purpose of it was to try to see the Higgs boson particle. So the Higgs boson particle, from my perception as a witch would be <laughs> the thing that dictates the forms as the prima materia. So course, that is prima materia? But the scientist, you know, the scientist Higgs, he's all like, mm, I'm going to put my name I know, on Higgs. it. They always are like, oh, look at this thing I discovered. This the- is all Higgs. Higgs made you this. You are not God, Higgs. Yeah, Can't you just like, exactly. call it like something in nature? Like, why do you have to call it after yourself? You're such a Ego. head. Ego. Um, <laughs> but so this is what they like have and supposedly they think they found evidence that it is there and they've also called it like the god particle Mm -hmm. but it's essentially the mega archetype that assigns the signatures and shapes to the other elements how does science define it the higgs boson they call it the god particle and they say it has like an extreme density i believe it could have been different because i read about it a few years ago and they change it a lot but it has a density that it contains all the potentialities for particles so particles Uh can express in different ways you can have a proton you can have an electron you can have a photon you can have a gluon you can have neutron right you can have that's the one i know (laughs) (laughs) thanks jenna that's the one i knew Particles express in different archetypal forms. And each of those 
archetypal forms are going to have synergy and um, things that define it that are going to be like it's it's signature. Mm-hmm. Okay, give us okay. Just so mm-hmm. it's a little, I have it's a little bit more unrelatable yeah. for the average human. Yes, sorry, um, which <laughs> is not when I get you too. Fancy, it's so, annoying. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Um, I love it's it. just a different language. Yeah. So let's bring it back to how can I relate to this world of archetypes? Can you tell me? five typical common archetypes that I may be able to relate to. Like if you were going to do an archetypal reading on me, what would it be? Oh, we can do like a real basic one. So we'll go back to Egypt. So I had a profound breakthrough with the base Egyptian archetypes, which there's nine of them. Okay. Okay. And And I like the Pantheon, would you say? Exactly what the Pantheon is based on. Okay. Correct. Or like the Zodiac too, which Mm -hmm. they use 12. But in Egypt, they had what was called the Ennead. E, I think it's like E or E-E, no, E-N-N-E-A-D, which means nine. So there was these nine primary archetypes, right? Isis, Osiris, and they, Seth, they represent these different things. So if you are going to try to relate to the archetypes, we can either use divination, like an Enneagram. Oh, so they figured out the Enneagram is like this personality type, and they base it on these nine basic archetypes, which you'll be embodying or expressing. To different proportions, right? To of different proportions, one. right? Mm-hmm. And depending on which one you're heavy on, like let's say I'm way heavier on the Isis side than I am on the Osiris side, I'm going to be exhibiting more feminine energy. Mm-hmm. If I'm way heavier on the Osiris side, I'm going to be a little more butch. I'm going to be a little more masculine. And so would you just be saying I'm channeling that particular archetype at that time? Correct. And so why does it benefit you to understand what archetype you're channeling? Because you can see yourself. It's for self-knowledge and awareness. So a lot of these archetypal forms like the Ennead, they're kind of defaulto factors. They're like roles or characters in the big play. And most people aren't even aware that they're That's embodying in. one of these players in the theater because their awareness is so low, they're just occupying a pre-existing so vessel. So, so then they play out a story which uh-huh. isn't even theirs. An that archetypal story. Hmm. They get trapped by the archons. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. The archons, they're um, back again. <laughs> your your behavior is being manipulated yeah. by an already existing form that isn't your personal it's, destiny. Okay, okay. It's not even so, what you want. All right. Yeah. So if You're I'm going to translate this, if people become aware of the type of archetypes that they're um, likely to express, then they're able to relate to something outside of themselves. Break out. So they're able to break out of the pattern or break out mm-hmm. of the way they're being because an archetype is obviously like a role that they can that they can see, whereas a lot of the time we can't see how we're being. Exactly. Uh, okay. It provides well, like, us a mirror. For me, for example, let's say just in an animal, I don't know if you could use animals as archetypes. Absolutely. Can you? So let's say I'm like, I'm the, I'm stuck in the archetype of the mouse, like mm-hmm. in, in, in a time when there's a battle. Like I might think of myself as the archetype of a mouse who runs away and hides. But you need to channel the archetype of a lion. Exactly. So I could break free from my archetypal imprint, but if I don't break free, I'm just going to be playing out that story. So over how would you break th- free of being the mouse well, when you visualize consciousness, a lion? Right? Awareness. And awareness and intention. And then you can do training and discipline. Okay. So these hab- habitualized taking on of roles are difficult to take. They're literally an- ancestral. So if you're habitually repeating your mom's archetype that she embodies, 
body. No, now mouse-like. you're stuck in it. You're in this circle or cycle of a habit of yes. playing that role. Uh-huh. And those are sometimes as hard to break yes. as quitting smoking. Yes. Got it. So yes. quitting it an addiction. helps us break out of our subconscious pattern, right. negative patterns that may have been inherited or learned or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so you can grow. This, Got it. Now I'm starting to understand. Yeah, so understanding growth. the archetypes helps us recognize which ones we're playing out, yeah. possibly subconsciously. Yeah. And then once we have that awareness, we can choose an archetype yes. that suit that Free will support will. us to bust out of that into a more conscious, better state of being. Like a female might be um, playing out the archetype of the damsel in distress, totally. always looking for a man to come save her and that she's stuck in this, but she's like so... She's ups- not even aware of she's it. She's not aware of it, but she could consciously... Break free. Or the martyr is one I hear like mothers fall into a lot, martyring about, you know, the dishes and the kids and whatever. But if you understand um, the martyr, you're able to be like, oh, I get what the martyr is. So I don't, uh, it's easier for you to break out of it into something else if you look at it as something separate from you. Ignorance. I, I want everyone to know what ignorance is. Ignorance means you don't even know that you don't know. <laughs> Boom. If you don't even know that you don't know. Yeah. You that's can't the majority of us. Would you say that's the archetype of the fool? <sighs> yes. So awareness of what you don't know is literally learning. And it's taking you. But how do you bust out into something you don't know that you don't know. You have to get it reflected into your Back awareness. To you. Okay. And use archetypes. For Only that. awareness changes ignorance. Okay. And that's deep learning. That's true. Right? So, okay. So for our listeners, I would say majority of them would be most familiar with the archetypal system, divination system of tarot. Totally. So let's stick with tarot so it's a little bit more relatable. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. The major arcana of tarot is so clear, isn't it? it is. With the archetypes. Yeah. yeah. So if so, okay. So how, uh, what what archetype do you think you play out, Jenna, out of the um, tarot most often? That I play out, that I have an unconscious story around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And has there been a moment where you've recognized what archetype you're playing and chosen to move into one that served you more? That's a very good question. That is. I, I'm going to have to think about it for just a, a minute before be, I answer. Okay. So how do you use archetypes, Marja, in your modern day life? Yeah, I mean, I do it as a job. So I use the archetypes. It's kind of crazy, okay? So for example, I had this one client and she was an ER surgeon, okay? She was like a highly intelligent... And what type of archetype is that? I mean, if Mental. you're... That would be King, King of, of Swords. Swords. <laughs> yeah! I got two witches in the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let's say she's playing that archetype, okay? But then she's having this huge emotional disturbance in her relationship. And she started talking... And I could see exactly which archetypes they both were playing. I could see the roles. And I was like, she only gave me like a little bit of data. And I'm like, oh, is he this? Is he this? Is he this? So I can use them as identifying Mm. factors. Okay. And so it's almost like a differential diagnosis of a disease. Mm. So I was all, and I determined that her significant other was embodying the archetype of the tyrant emperor Mm. to the T, to the T. And she was like, Mm. how did you know that he was doing all of these things? And it was kind of like cheating because. 
because I was like, I didn't be psychic to know that knowledge. I know it because he's playing a role of a character. Great. And so this and this was very helpful you. information for her Got because it. she was able to come out of a personal butthurt with the situation and dynamic that she was experiencing with her relationship and it changed. Got it. The so, cycle ended as her awareness came into knowledge of that. Beautiful. Okay, so if beautiful. you're if Satisfying. you understand the That's archetypes wonderful. and you're going through personal relationship issues, yes. you can try um, analyze what archetype your partner is playing out, the role they're playing out, and what role you're playing out. And if you understand both of those roles, then you can depersonalize it. Depersonalize it and choose one that will bust that dynamic that isn't working. It's very effective. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you don't even have to choose one, do you? More so, just know that just what, even just the aware, understand just like, that that's happening, uh, and that's just a, a story. Because that then you're not. It's not going to happen again. It's like mm-hmm. if you're like hitting yourself and you're like, "Why is my hand hurting all the time?" And you're like, and then you're "Oh, like, I'm hitting oh. myself." You Got find it. the causal factor of a, a, a circle of suffering. And he was probably playing out that Tyrant King archetype because his father played out that Tyrant King exactly. archetype and Correct. his father. And it could be imprinted into him. Yeah, it is. Cellular, on the cellular, cellular subconsciously, level. environmentally. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've got a really fun game. We have prepared Yay. a little list of characters which are quite well known amongst the general public. We would love you to analyze what archetypes they were known for, they yes. were famous for. So Marilyn Monroe, what archetype was she representing? She's a classic Jezebel. Jezebel. Yep, yep. the woman like in her sexual power that's a little bit um, out of the But also gives her power of, away. Yeah. It's the woman that has power but also loses it to the man, right? So it's that dynamic. So she was participating in a dynamic. As soon as she would gain more power, some man would come and take it from her, Right. And she kept like struggling to keep her libidinous power, which Mm -hmm. was substantial. Mm -hmm. I mean, she was like a goddess, right? But she was unable to keep herself. She was trapped in that cycle of that dynamic. So perhaps her raising of an awareness of her role of that could have prevented. But who knows? But instead, it killed her. And she could say, like, all the men of the world, like, even looking at her, like, siphoning that libidinal archetype. Yeah. Yeah. And so we morph between archetypes, correct? We have different aspects that are different. We express different types of archetypes. Like in evolution, right? You don't have to stay the same thing you are. You can evolve or mutate into something else. And you know how, is it a kung fu thing you would know, where you channel an animal, like, archetype, where you're like, animal spirit. I'm Mm going to be the, the. Beaver. The tiger. Yes, correct. Not the beaver. Sorry, I don't know the tiger, about. the lion, the crane. Right? Not the beaver. Well, maybe you are the beaver if you want to like build a house out right? of, you know. Maybe. They create ecosystems. Yeah, if you want to create an ecosystem. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I'm just going to step out of the room and let you guys make out. Seriously. <laughs> High five it. And <laughs> just joking, guys. The empath over here is starting to feel guilty. <laughs> can sense it. No, I'm just joking. You know that. We're just playing out archetypes. I know, yeah, right? Exactly. It the, it's all the wrong. Okay, so, um, okay, brilliant. People so, do it in their sexuality too. Oh, oh yeah, totally. So Especially hardcore. in sexuality. Yeah. So that's, yes. do you think that's, sub- so a lot of the time we're playing out 
um, archetypes subconsciously. Yeah, if you want to grow your sexuality, become aware of what archetype you're channeling while you do it. And choose to channel one that's a bit more fun. Mm -hmm. Or whatever. (laughs) Or explore, you know, get yourself out of your story. Or do a couple, try some other ones on for size. Wow, I'm loving this. Okay, I'm now trying to. Like Carrie be the dominatrix ones. Like role playing, right? It's like role playing. Yeah. Like when you're an actor, a thespian, you get to expand your identity through adapting different identities. You play a role. It could probably help you as an actress because it's like you could, you know, you could feel into the archetype mm-hmm. of the character and then become that archetype. All theater is based on the archetypes. You know what I think a lot of people get hooked into, which I do all the time, is astrology. Um, like I, I'm a Leo and I'm yeah. like such a Leo that a lot of the time I attach myself to that archetype of the Leo and I find myself just giving into the heat of being a Leo yes. and, and the, you know, whatever those Leo aspects are that I play into, it I kind of am like, you. well, that's what I'm just a Leo. This is who I am. But if mm. I understand that the archetype doesn't have to own me and be who I am, exactly. it, it, I can exactly. just express elements of it that benefit. When it's that good. It's yeah. your default Got it. Character. But I do have the ability to channel an Aquarius. You do. Or a Gemini. Think about or the whatever sun. it may be. The sun goes through all of those oh, guys, oh, right? Oh, it's totality as it goes through the sky. So it's mm-hmm. so funny. People, you can identify with it, but that's a limitation. But what you'll notice is subconsciously you're adhering to those signatures. When you raise your consciousness about what signatures you're following under Leo, then you can adapt other ones. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay. All right. Back to my list. What about Trump? <laughs> what archetype is the President King? Trump? The emperor. The emperor. 100%. Tell right? us about the emperor. So the emperor, it's a powerful, it's got power. And so worldly power, worldly, not spiritual earthy power. power. And the way that the emperor gets power is through being his self. And the power that Trump has is that he just really is himself, no matter what anyone else thinks. And he's dictating what he thinks is really true. And that's what gives him power is that he sincerely makes a decision, right? His decision is what he goes by. That The emperor is that divine masculine energy that is going to make a choice or decision. And you and might not it. agree. The action is that Dominant. he can follow his will to action of his decision. Now, a lot no of people wrong might not is. agree with his decision, but he has power of will because he acts upon his decisions without hesitation mm-hmm. and without self-doubt and without self-question. Totally. And that is... Primo emperor archetype. <laughs> Primo emperor. Okay, what about Beyonce? Oh, Beyonce is totally the empress. Mm. So in contrast uh, to the emperor, the empress is a woman who has, and unlike the Jezebel, it's a little different than Marilyn Monroe, Beyonce is. Because she was able to take a lot of power for herself. She made worldly, earthy power in the form of money. Money, money, money. Which she made for herself, even though later she joins forces, right, with the divine masculine emperor. But so the, the, the empress would have joined forces with the emperor. Right, yeah. Yes, because they make a mated pair. It's but she, interesting looking at relationship dynamics when you know all the archetypes and yes, see it is. where you're not, why certain dynamics are how they are. Absolutely. I can see Amber's wheels in her head turning about future <laughs> podcast episodes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's very informative and helpful when you get stuck in a relationship dynamic for changing that. Mm-hmm. It's very helpful for growth. Yeah, because you can then choose to express something you know, that will serve you as you said, Jenna. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wow, brilliant. What about Joan of Arc? Uh, Joan of Arc is the quintessential martyr, right? So she she falls into the hanged man. Hanged man. Yeah. Corner Mm. where she offers and sacrifice herself to receive some kind of external message and then offers her body up uh, to provide, not to perform a task that's based on her will or her decisions. This is where it's different than the emperor because the hanged man is going to choose to sacrifice his own comfort in order to receive divine guidance and then offer their body in order to carry the will of heaven instead of their will. Hmm. Very different. Hey, I'm, I'm getting it. It's yeah. starting to click. So what would you recommend to our listeners baby steps, like from yeah. someone just starting to grasp the concept of archetypes? And so we've discussed how they would benefit us understanding them, how we you can notice which one you're channeling and then just that self-observation and relating to an archetype you can bust through and then change that pattern. Also in relationship dynamics, it helps by recognizing what they're playing out, what you're playing out and you take it less personally, do you? If yes. you can see that you can they're go just transpersonal. Being... Okay, that's yes. good. We like that. So, what would what homework? Well, let's. I guess this is a good segue to an invitation yes. for the audience. Do you have any more questions on on this topic, Jenna? Well, I do, but I mean, I feel like we've covered a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that'll be for. Off I know we my, did really yeah. good. <laughs> that was brilliant. It, yeah. it all came together in the end for me. I'm like, right? these two speaking gibberish. <laughs> and I'm just trying to. The science is on. hard. It's hard for me to get mm. across the science that's in my head. Yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> okay, so um, in uh, invitation for the listeners, Marja, what invitation would you offer our listeners to encourage them to apply these these archetypal learnings for themselves. Very good one. Read the creation sagas of any culture. You can pick any culture you're familiar with or go multicultural, you know, and see great, the similarities because then you can them. see the pattern. But the creation sagas and creation stories really hold those archetypal patterns that are for humans and also for nature, right? Because in the creation sagas, they're telling through the characters of the humans how biological systems interact also. So that's a good way for you to gain awareness, not only of the human dynamic, but also of some of the scientific stuff I was talking about, like the prima materia type of stuff is going to be in the creation sagas. So the creation myths of different cultures. Yes. Brilliant. And I also want to add to that, if you've got a tarot deck at home, look at the tarot deck, Yes. study it, try find the archetype that you most often represent, try analyze your partner and your friends. And are these stories that you want to be in or are they stories that you want to break? Beautiful. Great. Okay, guys. Well, thank you, Marja, once again, (laughs) knocked the socks off of us. Me, definitely. Um, Where can everyone find you? What are you up to? Tell us how to reach you. Yes, I am most reachable via email. My email is maja at godismyboyfriend.com. <laughs> Just love that. Every my time. website is witchofthedawn.com. And I'm on social media. I post all my events and things that are coming up on there. 
Amazing. We love you so Thank much. You, Maja, you Thank you, Maja, for imparting your wisdom on us. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm humbled. Um, thank you so much for being with us as well. We really appreciate your support. Whoever you are, whoever's listening out there, reach out, connect with us, send us some ideas on a podcast topic you're interested in and want to hear about. We're always looking for fresh, interesting new topics to explore. So send some our way. And if you like today's app, please leave us a five star review and share the episode share the love share (laughs) and we're really excited to have you with us next time ttfn bye 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 visit our website themotherlovingfuture.com for more information and please leave us a five-star review on itunes if you like what you hear we read every single review and comment and we are so grateful for your support see you next week